Well, welcome to, uh, to the podcast. Uh, I'm David Devereaux, pastor of the church, and really excited about uh, this week's podcast. I've got a couple of guests with me who are going to be sharing. Uh, first, I've got Mark Wilhite. Uh, Mark has been a member of the church for quite a long time and had been in leadership. He's a Stephen minister. He uh, previously was a chair of our finance committee. And most all of you will probably know his wife, Lori, who's our office manager. Um, and uh, I also have Brent Slife with me. And he and his wife, Karen, uh, are new to our church. They became members just a couple of months ago. Um, and Brent and, and Karen have jumped right in with being involved not only in worship but in Bible study. And I've enjoyed being able to have a number of conversations with Brent and looking forward to this time. So our devotional today is based upon Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what I wrote. In today's scripture, St. Paul was talking about the responsibility of freedom as Christians. Our freedom has a purpose. In the book of Acts, there are many stories within which Paul demonstrated what Christian freedom looks like. Immediately, I'm reminded of the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were in Philippi working with Lydia to start a church. While there, Paul healed a slave girl, which made the slave girl's owners angry. They arranged for Paul and Silas to be beaten, then chained to a wall in a dungeon. About midnight, Paul and Silas, still bloodied from the beating and chained to the dungeon wall, began to sing praise to God. As they sang praise, an earthquake rattled the dungeon, causing the door to open. At the same time, everyone's chains fell off. The jailer felt the earthquake and ran into the dungeon to check on the prisoners. Seeing Paul and Silas' chains on the ground, the jailer drew his sword and prepared to kill himself. Much to the jailer's surprise, Paul and Silas had not tried to escape. Paul called to the jailer, then witnessed to him. The jailer took Paul and Silas to his home, where he and his whole family were baptized. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. These are words Paul lived. When given the opportunity to escape the dungeon, he chose to stay and witness to the jailer. As a result, the jailer's life was saved and he and his family became Christians. Certainly, Paul and Silas could have seized the opportunity to escape, but instead they used their opportunity to help another person. In so doing, they embraced their freedom as Christians. Christian freedom brings with it responsibility. Our responsibility is not to think first of ourselves and our own desires, but rather to carry out God's will, come what may. And it is in carrying out our responsibility that we embrace our Christian freedom. Christian freedom is a challenging thing. It can even seem contradictory. As Christians, our freedom can mean we do not have choices. Jonah didn't have a choice. When it came to answering my call to ministry, God was so persistent, I really didn't have a choice. As I discussed in my sermon last Sunday, uh, Philemon didn't have a choice. God's will for our lives includes saying things and doing things that faithfulness, faithfulness requires of us. In other words, our freedom is lived and experienced within God's will for our lives a will that directs how we live our lives. When Paul and Silas refused to leave the dungeon, they were living and experiencing their Christian freedom.
Let's begin first with this a simple question. So how do you define freedom? I guess I think of it as having to do with uh, uh, possibilities. Um, but I think of a couple different ways of thinking about possibilities. So I could go into more of those, uh, but um, I'll leave it at that. Okay. So I like the choices. To me, freedom, uh, kind of a, you know, a Webster's uh, definition, definition, if you will, but it's just the ability to, to act, to do something, to make a chain without constraints. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences, but, you know, you have the freedom, you can act, you can make a change, you can do something without those constraints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I always relate freedom to my understanding of love. Um, because uh, love, by its very nature, is not going to be controlling. Um, and we think about having been created in the image of God by a God who, who loves us, and so we were given free will and freedom of, of choice, and that's just a natural outgrowth of the love out of which we were created. Yeah, in which case, uh, if, if we're living into that love, um, that's a kind of a, a moral constraint in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, my wife and I felt this, it's part of the reason we're members of this community. We felt that coming to this church. Uh, we felt a kind of a freedom because it felt like we were immediately accepted. Uh, there were lots of people who were just very warm toward us. Um, but we felt free in the sense of being valued and we could sort of be ourselves. It, your first sermon that we heard was all is all, and welcome is welcome, all are welcome, and even weirdos, you know, like us might be welcomed. And, but I think that can be seen as a kind of a, a moral constraint, if, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Part of, if we're created out of this love, with, you know, in, and have freedom, it's within the constraints of that, of that love, and so it requires certain kinds of actions. I think, so. I think so. Yeah. In fact, for me, at least, and I don't know, Mark, we may, uh, I'm not sure what you're thinking about maybe with respect to that, but I think of constraints as providing possibilities or not. I mean, certainly Paul was constrained. He's in prison, you know, uh, but he still had possibilities. I think he was famous, really, for finding possibilities wherever he was constrained. So... That's great. Anyway, yeah. A different kind of freedom, maybe, that we're mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so how is Christian freedom similar? So now we're talking specifically about Christian freedom, uh, similar and or different from the freedoms that we have as citizens in our country. And, you know, kind of related to that, how do we describe Christian freedom? What is the responsibility of our freedom? That's really what I'm getting at. What's that responsibility? So I think one of the things, you said it up in the front of the devotional, our Christian freedom has a purpose. You know, if if, if we can sep separate our, our Christianity from just everyday lives, and we don't want to do that, I know that, but I, I, I have choices. I have freedom. We just had the election. I had the freedom to vote however I wanted to. Um, if if I decide that I don't like the job I have right now and I just want to go get another job, assuming somebody will hire me, I have the freedom to do that. But when it comes to our Christianity and our relationship with God, that freedom has a purpose. 
to serve God, to, you know, the great commandment, go forth, make disciples of all men, to, to preach the gospel, whatever it is, which to me makes it more meaningful, that purpose, that, that reason for the freedom. And then, then I, would, I would agree with you that I think there does come responsibility with that freedom. I, I, I like that a lot. Um, uh, we, we have, I think, unlike a lot of people who I think are thinking about freedom as freedom from certain things, this is a, what you pointed out in your sermon, we have, we're already in a sense freedom, we're freed from because we're already beloved by, by the master of the universe, you know, uh, and so we are freedom, we are free for, this is what you mean by purpose, I think, Mark, um, we're free, we're free to, I think, actually realize more possibilities by living into the love we're talking about. So we're free for all kinds of reasons and less concerned maybe about external constraints, more concerned about internal constraints like logs in our own eyes, mm -hmm. you know, so that we could actually live into the kind of Christian life we're talking about. So I, I like that a lot. Well, so let me get more personal then and ask, so what does Christian freedom look like in your life? You know, I, I think I've said this before. I, I, I was raised in the church. Um, my, my parents were both believers. Um, my dad was in the military. And one of the things that we tried to do is in the military, we would go to the base or post chapel a lot. And, and so um, a lot of exposure, I guess, is the right word, to to different theologies. Because you may have a chaplain who is a Southern Baptist at one assignment, and then a Methodist at another one, and a Presbyterian at another one. So, um, you know, a, a wide range of exposures and, and views. And, you know, I think that that helped me as I was growing up, because it just kind of reinforced that again, I had that choice. I had that opportunity, and um, you know, it it wasn't a matter. Well, you, your parents were Southern Baptist. You've been Southern Baptist all your life, so that's what's got to be the rest of your life. You, you know, I, I I had the choice in terms of where we were finally going to go and and what we were going to do. Um, but but I think it also gives us that freedom. You know, gives us the ability, and I and I think. Here in our church, Desert Spring is a perfect example. We have a saying that we don't say no. You know, if if you feel called to a mission as a church, our answer is how do we support you? But I think you kind of turn that around a little bit. Then as a church member, I have that freedom. If God is calling me to a ministry, I have that freedom to pursue that ministry, to exercise that faith, you know, whatever it is. Um, opportunity that you talked about, uh, and then I've got the, the church family behind me saying, how do we help, how do we support? That's great. Thank you. Do, do you have any thoughts, sir? Oh, of course. I battle uh, two, two kinds of freedom, at least the way I think about it. Uh, one is, the, is uh, maybe to use... Uh, Paul's terms, uh, in an indulgent freedom, self-indulgent freedom, you know, where uh, I, I want to get what I want. And uh, if you put, 
if you put obstacles in my way, I'm not going to like that. Um, I think that's primarily about me. Um, and it means uh, everything is a constraint that I need to get rid of. And it's all about moi. And it's always about freedom from, freedom from this and freedom. If I, you know, I don't like obligations, right? Obligations are a symbol of that for me. Uh, but what, what I, when I really feel free is, is when I'm in a loving community, you know, like a family. Uh, not all my family is that loving, but some portions of it are. And when, when they love me, warts and all, that is incredibly freeing to me. And uh, it's when I am my best. It's, it's when I am, I think, more who God intended me to be. And I, do the, I can be in touch with the kind of thing Mark's talking about. You know, what, what are my gifts? How can I serve? Uh, these people love me. How do I love them back? Uh, that's when I'm free, I think. Not in the other sense. <laughs> yeah. I think about this for me, um, and just in a very kind of practical way as I live day to day. Um, so one of the ways that I can think of, of uh, God's will for my life uh, is there's boundaries that are established within which I live my life. And we would call, you know, the, that space in between those boundaries is, you know, hopefully is God's will. And I'm trying to do that and live that. Um, and to go beyond those is to step, step beyond what I was created for um, and to step into, into something that's really going to take away my freedom. Um, but then staying within those, um, what I also find is that um, living out that freedom requires things of me that I might um, uh, otherwise not even think of doing. Um, so, you know, I think of examples. Um, uh, I get a phone call from somebody that I haven't heard from in a couple of years who suddenly finds themselves in an emergency and need some assistance. And there's plenty of other things that I could be doing at 9 o'clock at night, but that's the call that comes. Um, and, uh, and part of my exercising my freedom is recognizing that those other things that I might have chosen to do, well, I probably don't really need to watch that TV show nearly as much as maybe this person needs some help. Um, and so, um, and so to make that decision, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Um, uh, that's happens in lots of different kinds of ways throughout the days where we just have to make decisions about, about what we're going to do. And when I'm at my best, and I'm not always at my best, but when I'm at my best, I'm trying to make those decisions based upon, you know, life within the boundaries of God's will. I, I, I struggle like that too. Um, but I maybe think about it a little differently. I, I, at least I try to think about it as not so much my freedom being taken away, because I still have possibilities, I think. Um, but I see it, I try to see it. Sometimes I'd rather watch the TV show. But I try to see it, I think, as, uh, you know, I, I, you talk about uh, choices and not feeling like choices. Uh, it feels a little bit like a chess game. You don't have the choice of the movements of the pieces. So if you set yourself for a pattern of action, like living a Christian life, that may feel constraining. 
But I, I think it's, I think we need to begin to live into it as if it's the actual, I think you said this too, it's the, it's actualization of the freedom. It is, it is the freedom for part of that. I think sometimes we think of freedom from as the only type of freedom, but it, freedom for is more important if not just as important. So I like that a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. The freedom to be able to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking right now of a quote that came from John Wesley, and he was referring to the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and eating the apple. And he said, we were created able to stand, yet liable to fall. Mm. Able to stand, yet liable to fall. So we're created able to live within the freedom that we have been given. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and so one of the things that kind of popped in my mind when you were talking was, this is yet another way where we're kind of living out the very image of God when we are living that freedom that we were created for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and and Jesus summed it up: Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we're yeah. doing that, we're living at freedom. That's part of what God intended with by giving us free will. Yeah. And um, part of what it means to be created in the image of God. Yeah. So. Um, so sometimes we don't have a choice, and I preached on this this last Sunday. You know, when I think of Philemon and how. I, and how thick Paul laid it on him uh, when it came to the, his request. But we have all kinds of stories. You know, did uh, did Paul really have much of a choice when he was blinded on the road to Damascus? Uh, and, and Jesus yeah. spoke to him and said, why are you doing this to me? Um, did Jonah have much of a choice? Um, and, uh, and sometimes our, our, our Christian faith requires us to do things. And so let's just talk about that for a moment. What are some of those circumstances in life that you know we could imagine where where we are required as Christians to do something or to say something? You know, I sometimes get hung up on words when I shouldn't, but but that one I, I kind of struggle with because you know when, when are we required to do something? Well, I mean, obviously when when we see. You know, when we see injustice, when we see cruelty, uh, when we see people suffering, our Christian faith tells us we should do something. And, and you know, I think probably the, the the biggest example for for me here living in Vegas is the homeless population. You know, particularly now as the weather's turning cold. Um, so does that mean that at every stoplight I'm required? to pull money on it and give it to that homeless person or to say, well, hey, look, I, I'm in a warm car. I don't need this jacket. You take it. I've got another one at home. Um, but but by the same token, I, I, I think there is a responsibility to, when those needs are recognized, to do something. And, and whether it's, you know, the food distribution that we're doing, and I know we have volunteer groups that uh, are down at Three Square all the time or, uh, you know, spread the word Nevada or we're donating books. I, you know, I wish I could quote Wesley. I can't. But, um, you know, I can quote the Spider-Man movie, you know, with, with, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we could substitute that with freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, the freedom we have, Brent, as you said, to do something yeah. also has great responsibilities. And, and I think for me, it's, 
Um, you know, it's it's very easy to just put blinders on. Say, I'm a good Christian. I go to church. I pray. You actually see me up there on Sundays on the liturgist sometime. I must be doing the right things. How are you opening your vision to what else is going on around you and and using that freedom for that purpose of serving God? <laughs> yeah. You got any thoughts on this, Brent? Oh, sure. Uh, I, I immediately thought of... Uh, a colleague in a, a university, a Baptist university, I won't name the, name it just in case, uh, but she uh, she was a she was a newbie. Uh, I'd been there a few years, and she uh, she was very unlikable. And at first, I thought she just didn't like me, but then I learned that a lot of people didn't like her, and there was immediate talk of. Uh, you know, we need to fire this gal. And, uh, but it felt wrong to me. Uh, and I, I really wanted to join in with the gossip in a sense, you know, uh, against her. Cause I just felt that self-indulgent freedom to do this is the struggle you're talking about, Mark. Um, but I, I had no idea how to relate to this woman and she just seemed so prickly to me. Um, I finally, it, it felt like a kind of a spiritual prompting. I'm never quite sure, but I asked her to lunch. And she looked at, I remember when I invited her, she looked at me like, what are you up to? You know, that kind of lady. And uh, so I asked her to lunch and uh, we did some chit chat at lunch. And she, uh, you know, I said, uh, how have I offended you? And she said, what do you mean? And so we talked about it a little bit. And she was, she, she then told me some things that I thought was not true, you know, not right. And I wanted to defend myself. But I think uh, I didn't want, I didn't want to do this, right? I didn't feel I had a choice. I, and usually I would just say, well, I apologize. But instead, I said something I typically don't say, which is, will you forgive me? And I just felt very vulnerable to her because she was the kind of lady I figured who would say, no, I'm not going to forgive you. <laughs> you know, and uh, instead, she just, there was a long silence between us. It's just like she was thinking about it. Uh, maybe weighing my sincerity. I wouldn't, I'm never quite sure of this lady, but she said, I do. Hmm. Now, I was, I was, I'll tell you what, this is the, um, the sinner in me. I was expecting her to apologize to me, and she didn't. She never <laughs> did. <laughs> um, but, but what happened was something that was a great lesson to me. Uh, we both felt freed up, you know, uh, she felt freed with me. In fact, she smiled, you know, and our chit-chat was a little more personal. And uh, I felt uh, better with her. I felt like we had a connection. And, and it lasted uh, right up until she left the university. We didn't fire her either. So I was able to defend her in some meetings. So that, that was a wonderful experience for me, but it was, it was hard. So you kind of expected her to ask for your forgiveness, and she didn't. 
did you let go of that need? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I, it took a while, honestly. And I even came, I remember coming back to my wife and saying, she owes me. <laughs> I didn't need to apologize to her. She needed to. But I, I mean, I, in a sense, asked her forgiveness without really knowing of anything I'd done. Mm-hmm. But obviously, from her perspective, I was the main offender. And looking back, that could easily have been true. Yeah. 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 One of the ways that I think we experience our Christian freedom is when we're able to let go of needing other people to do certain things uh, for us. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Um, and and especially when it comes to forgiveness, that can be tough. You know, yeah. if, if somebody has is insulted us yeah. and we have some need to let go of that can be very, very difficult. I, I think it was when we continued to relate to one another that she became a kind of a friend, mm-hmm. and then it was easy to let go. Yeah. 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 Uh, kind of the image that I have, I've used it in, in um, a sermon before, when it comes to like reconciliation, that work of re- reconciling with a person, is a football field, and we always want to meet in the 50-yard line, or maybe even, you know, <laughs> on our side of the 50-yard line, and the other person has to come to us because they owe us something, right? Yeah. But, but, um, but part of living out our Christian freedom is recognizing what, what, that we were created in the image of a God who didn't, doesn't meet us at the 50-yard line, but meets us, you know, at goes 99.9 yards and then sticks out a hand. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, and we're created in that image part of our freedom. So learning to let go of those things, that's part of us embracing that freedom. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I think as Christians, there are times where we have to say something or do something. I agree with Mark. You can't, you can't solve the problem of homelessness. I can't on my own. You can't on your own. I can't feed every person who's hungry. We can't do that. But we can see the problem and we can do something or we can say something. Uh, and that's an important thing. And when we join our voices with others in our community, then we can do much. Uh, and, and that's important. I also think um, that our baptism requires some things of us. Mm. Um, and within, within you know, the Methodist Church, part of our baptismal vow includes answering yes to this question. Do you accept the freedom and power God mm. gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression at whatever forms they present themselves. Mm-hmm. So you accept that freedom God gives you to do that, and also the power to resist the evil of the world, the injustice of the world, the oppression of the world. Um, and um, I just met with a couple yesterday to talk about baptism and explaining that question, and, and I always love to be able to say that when we stand up for the dignity of another person, we never stand alone. God is always there with us. That's where we get that freedom and that power from, uh, to do that. So generally, as Christians, I think there are times where we have to say or do something. But in my life, the way it works out is, is, is often not nearly that abstract, right? Um, and um, I can remember, this is going way back, serving the Camp Verde Church, which is a great, great church, um, and we couldn't get a youth director. And I was the pastor, and as the pastor, I had a lot of responsibilities, and we needed a youth director. Um, but I couldn't find anybody. Nobody would step up. Um, and 
Um, I went to an annual conference, and some things were said that just kind of convicted me. And then I had to some meetings, and things were said that convicted me. And over and over, it didn't matter where I went, I kept getting convicted that I needed to be the one to do it for a season. Mm. Um, and I did not want to do it. I'd done youth work when I was younger, and I had plenty of responsibility as it was. Somebody else needed to do that. But I could not shake it everywhere I went. Um, and so I finally gave in because I just felt like I just don't have a choice in this. I have to do it. Nobody else will step up because it is mine to do. Um, and so I, I did it for a year, was able to get the youth group on a good footing. And then uh, I remember um, on a, a particular Sunday, I told the congregation I was uh, stepping down. Somebody else needed to step up. And I had already led by example. Um, so I could say to the ushers, lock the doors, nobody's leaving until somebody <laughs> steps up. <laughs> and of course, I was teasing, and then they opened the doors, and one person came through the line and said, Pastor, I had my turn. It's somebody else's turn now. And I said, you're not dead yet. What makes you think your turn is up? <laughs> and, and he thought about that, and he volunteered. Oh. Uh, and the kids absolutely loved him, and the youth group kind of thrived. Um, but sometimes we don't have a choice, and sometimes not having a choice is a part of a kind of a bigger plan that gets that that then unfolds and connects to other people's lives mm. in ways where they get to do things that they might not otherwise have even thought of doing. Kind of part of our freedom, I think. So, but and Brent, you kind of already offered a very personal uh, example. Mark, have there been times in your life where you just felt like I had no choice in this? I think a lot of times. Um, and and I'm not making light of it, but but I do think oftentimes we make it too complicated. Mm -hmm. We know what the right answer is. We know what the choice is. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. And and so whether it's justification, self-rationalization, you know, whatever, it's that inner battle that we have with ourselves to convince ourselves that the choice that we know is right is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I've struggled with that, but uh, and I'll also add, and I think I, I kind of picked up on this from what, when you were speaking a little earlier. Um, you, you know, there are times where you know we need to act, we need to do something. It's our it's our responsibility to do that, but we always have the freedom as to how we're going to do that. So that freedom is always uh, is always present, even in those situations where we feel like compelled, like there's something we need to do. If we can go back to that responsibility of our freedom, mm -hmm. I, I was thinking if we go back to the story of, of Paul and Silas, when when the walls fell down and the chains were released, and, and they had the opportunity to escape and chose to stay and witness to that jailer. And then the story goes on to, to tell us that not only the jailer, but his entire family were saved. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think it's, you know, it's important to recognize that because had Paul and Silas not stayed, would that jailer and his family have had another opportunity to accept Christ? Mm -hmm. You know, the <clears throat> if not me, who, if not now, when? Mm-hmm. This may have been the only opportunity that family would have had. And and because Paul and Silas embraced the responsibility, 
that goes with their Christian freedom, this family was saved. Amen. Well said. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, I think that's very profound. Uh, I, I'm not sure Paul felt uh, he didn't have a choice. You know, I think he, they're in there singing praises to God. It doesn't sound like they were too affected by their, <laughs> the external constraints of the prison. And I bet they, the chains fell off and they looked at each other and, you know, we're going to stick around here. You know, they, they chose and they, they realized more possibilities in a sense, or better, I would say better quality possibilities by uh, converting, you know, the, the jailer and going to his family. And uh, so doing the right thing, I think, in a sense, living truthfully is, is a better set of possibilities is the way I would frame it because I, I, I think that's a great way to do it, Mark. Yeah, yeah, and using that language of, of possibilities, when they, were f- when they were freed from, you know, the chains, um, seeing the possibilities that were present in that spot, you know, not only with them, but we might assume there were other prisoners in there as well, uh, and all the chains were were broken, you know, for them yeah. to, to have that opportunity to Good talk point. with them. And then the jailer comes in ready to kill himself and for them to sa- save his life. If they would have just snuck out into the darkness, mm-hmm. what possibilities would there have been there for them, in not just in that moment, but in that town? Mm-hmm. Um, and then by having having gone and baptized the, the family uh, of the jailer, then they returned to the dungeon. And they waited there. Uh, and then um, when the officials in the community realized that Paul was a Roman citizen, they had no right to keep him, they wanted to get him out. Yeah. And he refused to leave. He required them to give him an official escort <laughs> out of the jail. And again, I think all of that just was opening up more and more possibilities uh, for yeah. him yeah. when it came to his ministry with the people in that in that area. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, I think one of the other things, we those opportunities, I think as Christians, part of our responsibility is to look for those opportunities, not to wait for them to come. Um, you know, not to wait till God does the equivalent of blindings on the side of the road or throwing us in jail or something like that. We have, we have to look for those opportunities. I was reading something that struck me yesterday. Um, I've got a, a kind of a daily devotional from from Billy Graham. And yesterday was just talking about, you know, basically everybody's got battles and has a hard life. They're struggling. But then when he was talking about about Jesus, one of the things he said was that Jesus, I'm paraphrasing, looked for opportunities to heal and forgive. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say we, I, my default thinking tends to be, you know, ask God for forgiveness and he will forgive you, and he certainly will. But if we're trying to emulate Christ, don't wait for folks to ask. Mm-hmm. If you see folks, as you were speaking, that need forgiveness, if you see folks that, that need healing— Take that opportunity, because you have the freedom to act, take that opportunity and go to them. Don't wait for them to come to you. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think anytime you can heal a relationship, I like that especially. And it can be in conflict. Um, 
I think I've heard this from one of your sermons, uh, David, but um, my goodness, I think when you feel separated from someone, and of course I think of sin as separation from God, and so there's a, if we're loving, if like unto loving the Lord is loving others, then any kind of separation, right, is an opportunity is to heal. And I think using what you're saying, Mark, the, the lesson there would be for us to make the first move. I think you talked about this uh, recently. Uh, and I think that's often very hard. That's the 50-yard that's the, the line type stuff, yeah. So, I, But that's a tough thing, and sometimes it's nice to, to get skills in that, uh, how to do that. And sometimes that means maybe talking with other people who can help you to know how to approach somebody. But that's but once you do, I think you'll experience freedom, like I did with my colleague. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, um, so um, a, a thought came to my mind as uh, as we were sharing here in those last couple of minutes. Um, I remember a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and I'm not going to quote that, but but the idea of of that um, was you know our purpose in life, the goal of our life. Uh, is not to get our own way. The goal of our life is not even to be happy. The goal of our life is to do the will of God, come what may. And as we carry out the will of God, come what may, we're embracing the freedom that we've been given in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, lots to think about there. I really want to thank uh, Mark and Brent for joining me as guests today and, and for all of you for listening to our podcast. I hope you have a blessed day. So let's pray. Loving God, we humble ourselves before you, grateful for all that you've done for us in our lives, grateful for the freedom that we have in our lives, freedom from those destructive uh, forces that can tear us down, freedom to uh, to embrace the life that you've created us to live and to do so in relationship with you. We pray that as we go about this day, we will be ever aware of the possibilities and the opportunities uh, and that you will work through us in ways that, that make a difference and bring glory to your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.